What's up, everybody? As always, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I appreciate it so much. If this is your first time listening to the show, click the subscribe button on whatever platform it is you're listening on. If it's Spotify or Apple or whatever, click that subscribe button. If it lets you leave a review or leave a rating, do me a favor, leave a review, leave a rating, and share the show with your friends. I'm sure they appreciate it as well. Um, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Action. Action Specialty Roast Coffee and Natural Supplements. If you head to the website, drinkaction.com, and that's spelled action with a K, and you use the code word curious, you're going to get 15% off of the very best tasting coffee that you're going to find. It's sourced from Guatemala on the side of a fucking volcano. And we bring it into Austin, Texas, and we small batch roast it upon your order. Then we ship it directly to your doorstep so that you can have the freshest tasting coffee on the planet. And if you're in Bradford, go down to the Kennedy Street Cafe, tell Josh and Kelly that Justin sent you and, uh, and grab some coffee down there because they exclusively sell Action Coffee at the diner. So definitely worth checking that out. We also have natural supplements at Action, products like turmeric and hemp, which is called Active. It's great for anti-inflammation, just overall health and well-being. And MCT bombs called Fuel. So head to the website, drinkaction.com, use code word curious. And by the way, if you sign up for a subscription, you will save an additional 20% on your monthly order. My guest today is honestly one of like the very first people that I was planning to have on this podcast. Um, he has been a friend of mine for God, over 20 years, both growing up in Bradford, PA. Uh, actually the music intro and outro to the show is from his former band, Red Sun Rising. But life gets in the way, and he had some changes in what he was doing, so we just kind of wanted to wait for the right time. And it took two years to happen, but we finally got it across the finish line. And I'm so thankful we got a chance to talk. His band, The Violent, just released an EP. And if you haven't checked out the new video for their cover of People Are Strange, um, cover of From the Doors, uh, you need to go and check that out. We talked about this transition and the kind of new project and how really creating all this awesome new music during the pandemic was both a challenge, but also kind of unique and, and cool. So um, yeah, we talked about all kinds of stuff. So give it up for my guest, Dave McGarry. bud how have you been i'm great I, f I feel like we almost needed to catch up regardless of doing this you know i know i wish I it was in person i keep missing you on the uh the trips home and shit too so yeah yeah it's been a while it's fuck dude it's been the whole pandemic i don't think i've seen you since this whole thing started to kick off two years ago yeah exactly um that's all right. That's all right. We've been busy boys, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. I know you've been, you've been definitely been very busy. I, um, it's definitely been long overdue because now I think about it, the intro and outro music of this podcast is back when Red Sun Rising was still jamming. So I think you asked me about that maybe in August or September of 2019. Mm -hmm. So I think that the end of September 2019 was when we played our last Red Sun Rising show. Mm -hmm. 
did you know at that time that the violent was something that you guys are maybe not like specifically the violent, but that, Hey, there's a core group of us that want to keep playing music together and we'll figure out a way to do that in the future. Exactly. Like, uh, we, we honestly knew probably in, I would say may. Cause, uh, we, you know, we were playing that entire year as a four piece and I think around, yeah, may, maybe beginning of June, Ricky said that, you know, he was going to be dedicated to the summer of shows and and whatnot. And then he was going to kind of move down to Florida and kind of do his own thing. So right then we knew like, okay, what are we going to do after this? You know, we didn't have a band name or anything, but we did go to uh, Nashville the the following day after that show, because it was a show in Columbus, Ohio with, uh, highly suspect and the next day we drove all our gear and all our stuff down to nashville worked with a producer and started writing new music and kind of coming up with just trying to modernize the sound really rather than being a straight up rock band at the time you know mm-hmm. red sun rising i feel like was almost like a modern grunge rock band but we wanted to use modern sounds and elements in this new project, which you've been hearing now late as of lately. So, which is so unique too, because it's a three piece and yet it seems to have way more layers to it than when you guys were playing as a four piece. Totally. But I think that a lot of people do that. You know, you look at 21 pilots, you know, let's say they're two guys or muse you know they're yeah they're adding in all these elements that are are sonically modernizing their sound just being from like a straight up three-piece rock band like you know green day or mm-hmm. i don't even know who i want to say like i can't say anything i can't call out any bands right now <laughs> is that is that a challenge performing it live when you have all of that additional layering in i mean i I imagine you can, you're performing it differently and you're going to perform anything different live, but is like when you're writing something, do you have to be cautious or think about that? Like, okay, we have to tour on this. So like, this is going to be great here in the studio, but how the fuck are we going to pull this off when we're out on a stage? I mean, that's exactly what we're thinking. Um, And we've had to kind of go into some practice sessions and figure out what we wanted to do and, but at the same time, we wanted to keep things as simple enough as to where we could pull them out or pull them off. If let's say this year or this last year, we did our first three shows. This was the first time the band has ever played with backing tracks, which weren't guitars or anything. They were like, you know, synths and like some um, heavy, like sub drops and like stuff like that. It wasn't like, we're not playing tracks to like, guitars and harmonies and things like that Mm -hmm. so it is still the core element of the band just adding in those little transitions and layers which i mean every like huge band that we've ever toured with always played with tracks and i think at the time in red sun rising we were like we're all we're all natural you know it's all organic what you hear is what you get like on the stage and we kind of prided ourselves with that but now like moving on as a three-piece it's like 
let's do what we can and make this sound as huge as possible with just three of us. Cause nobody cares, but us, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the audience isn't out there. Like you're playing the backing tracks. You guys blow, you know what I mean? Like, would you ever consider going out with like a touring band to help fill that in? Me personally. Yeah. Well, just like, as far as the, the band itself, like, you you think about bands like Guns N' Roses, right? But yeah, yeah. then there's oh, also Diz- then there's Dizzy Reed and there's you know Melissa exactly. Reese, and then you know you've you've got bands like the Foo Fighters. A lot of people don't realize yeah. there's like a couple extra members. You know what I mean? Exactly. So that's the thing. Since we're so new, and we haven't really got off the ground, we haven't got to tour as much as we wanted to yet. Like once we have the budgets hell yeah, we would love to have, you know, a couple additional members to just, you know, a guy on keys or a guy on like auxiliary guitar, just so Mike could run around and not have to play. You know I mean? Of course, like we mm-hmm. will definitely do that. So you go through this whole transition, you you change directions, you guys strip down to a three piece and then the pandemic hits, locks everybody in place. I know you've got a badass setup, but how is that from a creative process and then ultimately refining and rehearsing process? Are you able to get through this technology, like the same type of feedback and response that you would, if you're in a studio, if you're listening through headphones, or is it a slight delay if somebody next door is using the internet too much or something like that? So, well, recording and then practicing for the live stuff or, two completely different things i think when it came to recording like we all have our individual studios that you know we have been building since you know the the death of red sun rising we were like okay we all need these tools to be able to to play together and write together because we all lived in different cities at the time you know i'm here in bradford pa mike was in uh chicago and then Pat was living up in Albany, New York, and our producer was, you know, down in Nashville. So he would, uh, Mike would send demos around and we would all kind of see what we liked. And then we would pick a few and then we'd all start kind of honing in on those. And then to be able to record just by myself and then send these dry sick or these dry tracks to like our producer, it was just like, boom. You know what I mean? These could be right in the song. He would be calling me up like, Dave, I need this guitar part now. And, you know, I'm about to leave or do something. And uh, I'm like, all right, I got you. I'd come up here and uh, I would just lay it down and send it. So that part was nice because we've never done that before. You know, we never had that writing process as a band. Usually we went, I mean, we got a cabin one time in like Wisconsin and we were there Mm -hmm. for like three weeks writing that thread album, you know? So it, I'm fortunate to be able to do that. I mean, it takes a little bit of the creativeness out because you're not in a room as a band. You're not like mm-hmm. the garage band days. Like you don't get some of those moments like, yes, that's it until you play it live. So I yeah. feel like some of the songs that we wrote and put together came alive more once we pl- got to play together in the studio. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Some of that magic happens. Yeah, I mean, you think about some of the most iconic albums ever written, and they all have that backstory about, you know, whether it's Bohemian Rhapsody or 
yeah they're all yeah. in the studio just jamming together and like yeah i got this idea oh and then it bounce off another idea that somebody else has and, and that's 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 the magic man everyone will say it that's where the magic happens but mm -hmm. so that recording process is what i've been doing here and everyone's been doing at their house and luckily pat you know with the drums he has the most most microphones the most money to put into it for recording like that's a that's a huge deal you got to think i'm plugging in you know to to this little two channel interface and i'm running through this plugin on my computer and i can just send it off on an email but he's got to like record every drum you know snare top and bottom overheads room mics all this stuff and be like okay here you go and then i'm just sending this you know bass and guitar here boop Oh, and then the margin for how many things could potentially go wrong on oh. his side because of all those variables. Yeah. And the nice part was um, we used a thing called audio movers, which we could listen in on the session. And so we did zoom calls like this and there was, there was a delay. So we, he'd mute us all out. He'd record the part. We could, we could all listen back in kind of real time. It was like two seconds late. And then after we all listened, it'd be like, all right, we're back in the Zoom call. All right, hey, let's try a different fill here or, or try this. That this part's not working. So like, we're lucky to be able to do that and live in you know four different cities with, including our producer. It was kind of crazy, and we were all like at the end of the day like, wow, I can't believe we did that. <laughs> you know what it, I mean? Like, yeah, no, it's super impressive when you think about it, man. Like, strange. especially to your point, like the creativeness right the art of it the the magic that you can't really feel to be able to still pull through that and have the technology and find ways that as a group you guys can use it to still get the desired outcome it's uh it's a testament it's i'm excited to uh you know hopefully get out to a show this summer i know you guys have a bunch of stuff that you're probably planning to get rolling yeah we got a we got a few things that we haven't announced uh in the works and uh You'll just have to keep an eye out for that. Can't talk about it. <laughs> so how do you guys settle on a name like The Violent? Where does that come from? Um, so originally, it started out as uh, The Violent Tongues. And this was like, I always kind of remember Mike. Mike's our singer, Mike Protich. I always remember him kind of saying that name just out of nowhere and, and like, we were thinking of these band names and just sending notes back and forth and just talking about a concept and kind of what direction we wanted to go. And the violent tongues came out and we were, we were all like, Oh yeah, let's do it. Cause it's like, you're, you're kind of manifesting all these demons and all this, this stuff in your mind. And you, you, you could ruin people's lives with your words. If you like had these conversations with them Mm -hmm. but you don't want to so you're just holding it in biting your tongue and we were like okay it's all on you know about speech like violent speech and it's like okay let's put these he's like let's put these words out lyrically and we'll we'll send our message that way so we we're like okay the violent tongues that makes sense and this would be cool cool to go with and so our our manager was into the name for a little while and started kind of talking about it through industry people. And they're like, you know, 
this tongues is really throwing everybody off. Like it's just not like a, a word that just is settling, you know? I mean, it's already the violent, you know, you throw tongues in there. It's just like, Whoa. So we, the one day we we're just like, all right, we're going to drop tongues. I was like, let's just call it the violent, like the killers, you know, everything oh. else that's super iconic. And I was like, you hear the killers and you're like, Whoa, but you hear their music and you're like, yes, I love this. So it's kind of like it can, it can work is what I'm saying. Oh, I love it, dude. I think less is more violent tongues is cool, but I think the violent tongues puts you in a like it, it leaves less direction for where it could go. The violence, yeah. like it, it's like, huh? I, I'm curious. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't know what it could be. I mean, yeah. it could be anything. You've Not had some really, the the music isn't necessarily violent, but lyrically you can you can portray that. You've had some decent band names over the years. <laughs> uh, one one was called Up From Here. Up From Here. Yeah, I remember that. Up uh, From Here. Kriegspiel. That was my Krieg. first band. Dude, oh, Kriegspiel. I remember being we've probably talked about this, but I one of my earliest memories of live music was upstairs Gravitz bike shop. Oh, wow. Um, you guys were opening for, I want to say, I don't know if they were called Junkhead yet, but it may have been Junkhead. And so. you guys, I, I'll never forget, uh, Rick borrowed Joey Bishop's guitar and you guys played a Slipknot cover Yeah, as well. So yeah. I was a drummer back yeah. then. Dude, you're a badass drummer back was, then. Thanks. I, I like to think I still am. I play all the time. You Do you miss it? The kit right here. Yeah, okay. But uh oh yeah, I play all the time. I actually got a uh four shows with JD Casper this weekend. Oh, okay. I saw he posted some stuff. He's gonna be in Ellicottville. Yeah, I'm playing drums for him. So that'll be cool. Well, this will release before this weekend. So if you're listening in Bradford. Get your ass to Ellicottville and go fucking yeah, check out go. some music. Um, besides that, I was probably 15 at the time. And yeah, we were we were really into metal and, and spiking our hair and piercing everything and painting our fingernails. And yeah, man, there was a scene around here back then. And there was a, at the skate shop. And that was that was my roots, man. There was a there was a lot of guys that were playing around here. And then I looked up to, and it kind of set the bar for me. I, I knew right away, you know, when I was 14, 15, year old, 15 years old, that I wanted to pursue music and I wanted to do this. I loved it so much. And I think, you know, those guys that were at the time, you know, 20 or, or plus or whatever, like could really see that in me. So I don't know. I had that respect like right out of the gate around here which is mm -hmm. a small town but it was it was cool to feel like you know hey our band like matters even though we suck <laughs> you know yeah i do growing and learning process it was it was so fun i think about it all the time no there was a hell of a scene though i mean my early even like growing up my cousin anthony manning definitely older than me but i grew up next door to him so when dog day was in its infancy i was next door like watching him like come up with riffs in his basement and in his bedroom oh, yeah. when 
like my my cousin Trisha would be babysitting me. I'd be over there with him and Matt Zura. It's like it just seemed like they really paved the way. And I don't Absolutely. know. I I said it a lot, but you always you did you took you you approached music the way other people approached athletics and like ultimately a job or academics. Like you could yeah. tell that it was something more than just a hobby or something that you were even passionate about. Like, and I think that more than anything was why I always thought this is going to end up some, no, no matter what, like he's going to find a way because he's not going to do anything other than that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty good, man. That hit me right here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, fuck dude. That's awesome. No, I've felt that way my whole life. And that's, yeah, even, even, you know, with, the little bit of success I've had with Red Sun Rising and now transitioning into the violent, like all the guys that, you know, were my idols when I was like early in high school. And like, we still communicate a lot because I do actually live, you know, back here in Bradford, PA. I moved away to Charlotte, North Carolina for like six years and met our drummer, Patty G and, uh, toured a lot and that's how I met the guys in Red Sun Rising and him and I ended up joining forces back in like 2015 but it was a it was a crazy transition like coming back home and then being asked to be in Red Sun Rising you know it was so weird because I I was moving back home because you know I I had my daughter so I was like I was like okay I'm gonna really have to work hard to like get this music thing off the ground you know, back at home. And three months later, it was like, boom, I was, I feel like I got lucky a little bit, you know, a little bit of luck. I mean, I put in my time. I mean, we slept in a van in Walmart parking lots for five years straight and, you know, had a a lot of discouraging shows, but uh, people don't like to hear this, but I think everybody for the most part has a few moments that are within grasp. You just have to, a be able to recognize when they're there and not just like aimlessly walk by them and you have to be willing to fight for them because they don't just like get plucked out of the air so easily and i think if you're willing to fight for shit and you're able to realize like hey as long as i keep my head down and keep being consistent and doing my thing like opportunity's going to it's going to be somewhere within reach i don't know where but it'll be there you know Good and point. I, and i think you know, me always being super dedicated and, you know, Mm -hmm. always showing up, trying to go the extra mile, even on the business side or, you know, putting the time in, like trying to tour and market and come up with ideas with the guys. Like they, they could see that, you know, I was going to be a team player rather than just, you know, some, some hired gun, you know? So I think that's why it worked out the way it did. And we were all bros too. I mean, we, we were, we always hung out. Yeah. Well, it's gotta be difficult though. I mean, if there's one thing that's constant with rock and roll and just music in general, it's that it's hard to keep a band together, the dynamics of relationship and just all of the shit that gets thrown at you. I'm sure like from oh, a business man. standpoint, what's probably a passion to sit in a room by yourself and jam in a guitar or play the drums could quickly become a job. Oh yeah. And you throw some egos and some drugs and alcohol in there. You're just, you know, perfect recipe. Speaking of which, do you have a, 
I do. Yeah, I, I got oh, a little Moscow. Okay, good. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to be sipping on something. Yeah, I felt bad. I was I, I was looking at it. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know if he has a, a glass of whiskey. I feel really bad drinking this in front of him. And then I just yeah. got to a point. I'm like, I got to ask. Yep. Oh, digging the shirt, by the way. Oh, man. Bayside. Hey, little guilty pleasure, man. I, I played a lot of emo, hardcore stuff. Like, everything. Did you ever play on a ticket with them? No. No. I wish that would have been cool. Yeah. Dig, dig those dudes a lot. Yeah. Chili peppers on right now? I do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Played on, played on a bill with them. How was that? <laughs> awesome. I think it was uh it was Rock on the Range 2017 or 18. It's in Columbus, Ohio. I think Deftones and Chili Peppers were the headliners of that. Is there going to be a, a summer festival scene this year? Oh yeah. I mean, they're now they're announcing a bunch of them right now. Dude, I can't believe how long it's been since I've seen live music. I was in New York City yeah. in February, right before all this shit happened, and randomly went to a concert at the Barclays Center to see the Lumineers. And then like a week and a half later, the world shut down. It's crazy. You know, and, I was just listening to their new album, Bright Side, today. Yeah. I pretty good like three times in a row yeah it is you gotta let it grow on you i mean i always give albums a chance because i feel like first listen you can't be too judgy you know mm -hmm. so i like to memorize it's i'm weird i like listen to an album till i memorize a ton of things about it whether it's like lyrics drums or um the guitars or anything anything like that I don't know why I do that, but I do it constantly. And it's probably annoying to anyone else that is like hanging out with me because I have to listen to it like five or six times straight through. And if it's 12 songs, it's like, you don't want to be around me when I'm doing that. No, I know. I know what you're talking about though. Yeah. I just like to know, you know, why did they pick that note? Why did they go here in the production? Why did, you know? Yeah. No, that's, that's why you're a great musician. Yeah, I try to relate to those decisions and figure out why they happened. Do you take any of that into account when you guys do a remake of a song? So, like, first, I guess, congrats on the hype and success around the Doors cover. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, we're uh, super excited about that right now. It's actually doing very well. You know, we're a week in from the release and actually just got word that we broke top 50 on Billboard on radio. Oh, nice. Tonight. So that's cool. We didn't really expect that. But this is a, like the first song that we're kind of taking to radio and giving it, giving it a chance because now we got a little more of a budget here going with the inside the label and with the band because when we first started, we were just, you know, we started our own label. So we were just like, super broke <laughs> and we kind of were relying on our uh sirius xm octane stuff to kind of you know using that money to kind of fund what we're doing and uh it's been great so far so yeah to take this song to radio is is awesome we're super happy that we even broke that our manager told us tonight that 
he wasn't expecting it and uh we're just trying to get some more ads and that going and the video's sick everything's mm -hmm. everything's kind of falling in place with that so and i know it's a cover but you know i think we did a pretty good job oh dude yeah. just kind of Every... the sound making it making it what it is maybe um, i'm unique everybody talks about the doors but i don't listen to the doors a lot i don't either you know what i mean like maybe that's really uncool maybe that's uncool to say but like i I know. I'm sorry. Maybe if I get super, super high and I'm looking through Spotify <laughs> and I'm like, oh, this will be trippy, but I'm not going to like listen to the doors and that's some people's jams. It's just not mine. But yeah, I mean, you guys, you killed it. I mean, I'm not much of an Alanis Morissette fan. I, I appreciate Alanis Morissette. You guys killed it with that. And I think I don't, I was going to ask you this actually, like, is there a strategy to that? Or is it truly just what vibes with you? Because as a, like putting a business hat on and music is a business, right? It's like to, if you have, you got great material and you're trying to still find a way to gain attention, continue to grow, being able to really redefine a classic song, yeah. something that people already know, but maybe have lost maybe a little bit of interest in, and then you come back and you put a new spin on that, but to be able to pick the right song to do that, I mean, that could be monumental and really define a whole trajectory. Right. I mean, or is it just yeah. more like, Hey, let's try this out and see how it goes. And then it's really simple. So we were thinking like, so we wanted to release an EP and we were doing a live stream for Sirius XM Octane, which we recorded it out in LA. You can check it out on YouTube or our page or whatever. So please subscribe. But anyways, uh, we were thinking and our manager said, you guys need to do a cover. So we're like, Oh, what do we do? What's going to fit this kind of vibe with like um, what we've been doing with, you know, having these all these new sonic sounds that we've added to the violent how are we going to mesh that into bringing a cover into it and, and making it work and we went through a bunch of songs and i was thinking i was like okay so nine inch nails is is like would be the perfect cover something by them would be the perfect for cover for us to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I mentioned that to the band. They're like, I don't know. That's one band that you just don't cover. It's like tool. You don't cover them. Like no one covers that. Cause they're like so iconic and so original and so unique that just, we wouldn't do it justice. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I'm like, uh, good point. But I think we could do this one. I got shut down immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so, a couple days passed by and Mike's like, I got this idea. So he, I think he was in, driving in his car and recorded it, you know, on, on an audio clip with a, with the phone and he was beating on the steering wheel and he was going, and he's like, people are strange when you're a stranger. And it was like, Ooh, this could be cool. So sent that to our producer him and um our producer albert started immediately putting it together 
raw, you know? Mm -hmm. And we were like, dude, this could be really badass. So Pat ended up sending in like some raw drums that I think that we, he recorded them himself. And I think we ended up using his original drum track, his drum trick or drum take, sorry, for the final version, which is crazy because usually you go back and you're like, that's fucked. Let's do this, like change this. And it worked. So then, you know, Albert hits me up. He's like, Hey, I need some bass for this. I need some good. Um, I think there might be one guitar layer or maybe no Mike recorded that. It was just like a little layer, but, um, that's how the song came together. And then after that, it was just like production and, and vocals and harmonies and stuff like that. So it was like really simple. And I honestly, the time I have into that song is probably like 20 minutes. No shit. Maybe, maybe more, maybe an hour at the most of recording. I'm like laying down bass and then a little bit of guitar. And I think that was it. I think we ended up putting an octave on the bass and then putting a little fuzz track in there. And then, and then I was done, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so like the song, like the song came together and out of the out of the most mostly the brains of, you know, Mike Albert Pat. So does I'm Pat play part of it? Yeah. Does Pat play any other instruments other than the drums, like you and Mike? Um, he does a little bit of like keys, like, and he can play some guitar stuff too, but like. Not a ton. I know he wants to get into it more, but life, man. Yeah. Sure is more time in the day. Even yeah. me, like I I started playing piano like two years ago and really trying to learn some stuff and just wish there was more time. I even have a note in my phone that says play more piano, asshole. Like just to remind myself, like, hey, take twenty minutes and go like dabble. You Do know? you I mean I guess I I think I already know the answer to this, but do you get growth in percussion and in playing a guitar through playing the piano? Um, I think you, you probably could, you know, understanding, you know, the theory behind it and just mm -hmm. the thing for me is I wish I would have started playing piano early. That way I could look at the guitar and kind of transpose that onto the neck and be like, okay, this is this, and this works with this. But since I've been playing guitar since I was like 10, and then trying to take what I know there, and then like put it on the keys and play things, you know, mm -hmm. out of order, I'm just like... So you started all dude. just learning by ear? Yeah. Yeah. Still am. I mean, you're, I like, can... you're like Nick Cannon in Drumline. <laughs> he was pretty nasty in Drumline. I'll give him that. Yeah, he just had a kid, like number twenty. I just saw. Yeah, you don't want to do that. That sounds expensive. Maybe he's got the cash for it though. Yeah, he's got that America's Got Talent money. Oh yeah, yeah. So I wish, uh, I wish I wouldn't have been a little stubborn metal bastard back when I was, you know, thirteen, fourteen, like playing music and not not wanting to play in the actual you know, band or singing choir or anything, because I think now I would have definitely appreciated having 
that knowledge you know yeah but it's okay because uh it worked out you don't you don't need to do that but like now that i play with some pretty awesome musicians and you know throughout the years it's been nice to kind of uh, learn one-on-one with them because i feel like that's the that's a way that i learn the best is like with somebody in front of me either showing me something or or i learn you know just off based off what they're doing mm-hmm. is there a lot of mentorship is there a lot of mentorship in the business itself i don't know man that dep- that depends um i don't know uh not for me really like and I, I know just, there's I, friendships and things that you make but like yeah. i mean i don't know it, it, it's it seems cut, very cutthroat yeah it is i think our only our only mentor could probably be our manager which you know our singer and him have a super close relationship so kind of what we learn about the industry comes from our singer you know and beyond that is is basically google <laughs> yeah you know because we're not i mean yeah we, we're we're tight and we're close but like they they're on a daily you know business arrangement they talk every day so like i feel like i'd be a little more knowledgeable when it comes to more of the industry stuff if i you know talk to him every single day you know yeah more fluent for sure so and he keeps us in the loop totally all the time like a lot so that's nice yeah now i guess maybe it's i've had this you know my my very minimal experience thankful to my extremely successful musician friend dave being backstage (laughs) at, at an event um I was just, I was shocked with just how business as usual, everything is. And I guess I had this like, um, Wayne's world kind of like being back with Alice Cooper type thought process. And then you realize that it's like, everybody keeps to themselves. Nobody seemed to really be talking and it was, it wasn't yeah. like so social, you know what I mean? You know, and yeah, you know your fucking place and, and don't get in the way. Yeah. Everyone has their time on the stage and that's the way it is. I mean, if there's there's a party or, or anyone's having fun, it's it's in catering or it's in the you know, the green rooms or on the bus or anything like that. But when it comes to stage time, like everyone's working you know and and Mm -hmm. you got to have respect for not only just you know the artist but you know their crew and the stage managers and everything there's there's so many pieces to the puzzle it's you're so unaware when you're just in the crowd watching like you know people don't understand how it works well i mean you guys i'm sure not every band has this experience but where you did play a lot of festivals you know, I would imagine a lot of, a lot of probably even fairly successful bands can go out on the road and your, your exposure to other large acts are really maybe at the label level, but you're touring with your opening act, or if you're supporting them, you're touring with the, you know, the, the main card, but you're, you're not on a card with disturbed and 
you're not on a card with Metallica and seeing these people, whether you're interacting with them or not, but like just being in that environment where all of this shit's going on. Yeah. Just, I mean, I, I would imagine, I mean, fuck dude, we're from Bradford. Right. I mean, and especially as somebody who wanted to be a musician your whole life, I'm trying to imagine myself like walking out into the middle of like Yankee stadium or walking into a, you know, cage of the UFC and looking out and like, seeing Dana White sitting there and seeing the commentators and seeing the crowd because that at some of the crowds I know when you guys played in Columbus there was a there's this video that I remember being behind the yeah. drum set and it was yeah. it rock on the range maybe and it looks yeah, like it yeah it was rock. I don't know how if there was a hundred thousand people there but it fucking looked like there was a hundred thousand people there there might have been fifty thousand people or yeah. sixty or seventy thousand people but just people for as far as you could see and they're all singing your song and it was a stadium and it was a beautiful day tool was headlining we we were on the main stage i'll never forget that's the biggest show i've ever played i was uh, and i had to walk out because we had our set um all laid out and like i was the one that walked out first playing this guitar riff for our intro so you can look it up online i think it might be what is it 2018 or yeah i think it's 2018 and uh i just i'm the first one to walk out and i just i just had this such a high feeling like i was the only one on the stage and i'm just playing this riff i'm like looking around like oh my god this is one of the coolest moments of my entire life and honestly i haven't got that moment again since then (laughs) <laughs> like shit and i played some huge shows but not like that like, that was incredible yeah because i mean some you know you'll get that moment and then it'll be like it fucking rains or there's a lightning storm you know or something but to play on the main stage was was huge it was cool and you know when we t- we did these tours with godsmack and shinedown and their arena tours and just to play for you know, whatever they were, 20 to, gotta be 20, maybe 10 to 20,000 in some of those arenas, right? Uh, it's insane. And I, and I, I remember like some of these guys being side stage and watching us, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, don't fuck up. Or you're just so in the zone after you've been on tour for a week or two, you're like, I can't fuck up. This is all muscle memory. Like, I don't even need to think to play this right now, you know, but I always like to, you know, maybe have a little sipper before I go, go on just to kind of, you know, cut it. Calm the nerves a little bit. Take the edge off. I like to say. Yeah. Oh, blows. I mean, dude, when I hear these stories about how hammered people are, I went back and reread um, Slash's autobiography or (laughs) biography. And like completely strung out on heroin for these shows and just to be able to put on a performance like that, being that fucked up in and of itself should get you recognition. It's all all swagger, bro. Right. (laughs) You got to mix swagger with, you know, being fucked up. You got to meet in the middle, Mm -hmm. which uh, we, you know, we weren't doing heroin or anything, but, uh, gotta have fun that's all yeah no you definitely have to have fun 
Gotta have fun, man. Shit, there was something that I was really meaning to ask you, and now I'm completely drawing a blank as to what it was. Shame on me, not prepared. It's all right. I th- I'll bring up something, though. I think that guitar back there, I played that at a show one time. I think you played both of these at a show. Did I play both of them? Oh, yeah. I thought it was just that one. No, oh, I yeah, think... you did bring the other one. Yeah, you played – so you played this guitar um, in Cleveland, I think. Yeah. Um, that was one of the that was one of the early Red Sun Rising shows. And yeah, then – 2016. Yeah. And then the yellow one you played at Stage AE. Yeah. When you guys came back through. Yeah. I remember now. Yeah, because yeah, you had thin strings on it, didn't you? I uh, probably did. Yeah. I was playing, I think back then I was playing 12s. I think you had like 10s on it. And I was like, dude, I was like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I There's actually, um, I think, I don't know where the fuck, which wall it's on. There's a f- photo from one of those shows with you playing that, actually, I think. Oh, yeah. Got to have to get an updated one. Yeah, come on, man. You've switched over. You pl- you're playing more of a Telecaster now, right? Yeah, I uh, I still have the uh, they're not up here right now, but I still got the Gibsons. But I uh, I've been playing that Tele a lot lately. It's just it's a it's a nice it's a nice playing guitar. And you know what? Those Gibsons are heavy, dude. And I played it for years. Uh, they're heavy. very heavy. Yeah, so the the Gibson uh, the Gibson's still hanging out. I got a couple of them floating around. I'll play around here once in a while and we'll bust them out. But uh, for the most part, I'm playing the telly now. Yeah, I don't. These hardly ever come off the wall, like not in any meaningful capacity anymore. I play an acoustic ninety percent of the time. Yeah, what do you have? Just a Fender, like a little. um, It's kind of like a traveling Fender. Okay. Doesn't like fold up or anything like that, but it's nothing crazy. But yeah. fun little guy, is quick little neck. Or is it just? Um. Yeah, it is. It's short. Okay. Yeah. Those are fun. Yeah. Yeah. I can just pick it up and mess around with it whenever I want. I bought a Martin, um, just a little five hundred dollar guy, just to have at the house. You know, I have a couple tailors that I, you know, will take out, and they're in the trailer right now but uh this little martin sounds amazing and i don't have a cutaway or anything because usually i always get a cutaway just so i can play leads and stuff but mm-hmm. i just finger pick this thing and just it's my house guitar it's a little baby it's like the koa wood it, dude it's beautiful and it's only it was only like five six hundred bucks really yeah it's nice there's an old drumstick from back in the entropy's end days like way old school show do you do you remember what show it was oh actually i do remember what show it was so do you remember you guys played a show at Pitt? um there was a band from philadelphia theory what's what were they called juliana theory yes that is i was in the band yeah i do remember that show yes that was like when Pitt bradford started having like music in the gym was it in the gym it was in the gym yeah Yeah, they put the one side of bleachers down and then i think they had like round paper on the floor or something they did yeah to protect because that was in like the new gym yeah 
exactly. Yeah, they had like the floor set up, and then they had people sitting up on the one side of the the basketball court in the bleachers. Yeah. Man, it was so cool when they were doing that stuff. That would probably never happen now. No, no. There was, dude. There's. I think that was like my whole junior, senior year of high school, freshman year of college, just like going to shows, whether it's out at Rock and Ricks or I still people think I'm full of shit. I tell them this story about how we went to Buffalo. Um, you guys were playing, I think it was like Joe's, uh, what's it called? Broadway Joe's maybe? Yeah, Broadway Joe's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you guys were playing Broadway Joe's and it was a really bad snowstorm. And I remember we, we all left together and somebody rear-ended me in your guys's van because the brakes didn't work at a red light and then we got separated and like for a half hour i got on a highway i went got off the highway on an exit off an exit like drive through the city literally i probably put 20 miles on over the course of 45 minutes yeah. and this guy at a toll booth was like here's how you're gonna want to go you go up here get on this highway and I'm getting on the on-ramp and I look to the left of me and there's Rick's ass hanging out of the side of the van and you guys lay on the horn. And I'm like, we both got like derailed off of our path. And somehow I'm an hour later getting onto the highway and you guys are merging over and are right there. And like, we linked back up. It's still to this day. I'm like, I don't know how that fucking happened, but it's crazy. Cause you think how young we were, right? <laughs> So now like you drive in a city and you see a random van full of like young dudes and you look over and you're like scared for them. You know, you're like, <laughs> how did we navigate through some of our adventures back then? Like I think about that and I can't remember a, a ton of details, but like I'll see like our singer and, and another buddy always had a camera. So I go on youtube look at see like videos of us playing these shows and touring around with you know junkhead read you know little regional tours and you know buffalo mm -hmm. erie down to pittsburgh whatever but like i was like 16 dude like what were they thinking hey let's drag these guys out <laughs> and and sometimes we went out and we we didn't even know if we were gonna play they were like okay if a band drops off the bill you guys can play. So we'd be like, let's go. I mean, what else do we have to do? Our parents didn't care. It's like, see ya. I just so remember being so guys. nervous because every time I'd be with you guys, we'd, you guys would just get pitchers of beer. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm like fucking 17 years old. And it was like, know. oh, you're with the band. That's fine. They're, you guys, none of you were of age. And they're just like, here, here you go. No problem. Yeah, with a little circle on the hand or the B. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were, we were in. Yeah, there's so many moments like that. I, I like to think I wasn't lucky, but when I think about shit like that, I was like, man, I was like, lucky to even get away with a lot of that stuff for years. Yeah. I feel bad for, like, the people in that area don't have that. They don't have that scene. Like, I even think my dad had a stint. He was playing bass in Barfly. Like, you remember yeah. Barfly? The old? Yeah. And, like, they opened for a band at Rock and Rick's called Rumors. It was like a Fleetwood Mac cover band. All right. And then I remember going out there. 
and Dog Day Sunrise opened for Jackal. Yeah, and it was it was a Halloween show. Yeah, because they 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 cut I'm, up uh, Joe Bishop's drums. Yes, and it turned into a big fight. Oh yeah, remember that? Yeah, dude, I was so young. I was probably we were probably 15, 16 maybe. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. Yep. I mean, that's my very first concert. I was in fifth grade. My dad, and mom took me to St. Bonaventure to see live. And a shoe at him. He got hit right in the fucking face, dude. And he whipped his guitar on the ground and, and quit he playing. Didn't he yeah. say that this song or this next song's about this town and it was shit town? Yeah, yeah. He goes, We rode our bus into town and we were thinking, you know, this song we're gonna perform, it's dedicated to you guys because we thought about you when we came in. It's like, first of all, I don't know what you're expecting to happen, but somebody threw a Doc Martin and caught him square in the kisser. Oh. They they were gone. I'd have been pissed too. That had to have hurt. But hey, man. Well, shit, dude. I I mean, some of the things I've seen. I I remember in Philadelphia when we were uh, it was the MM barbecue when you guys played there, and um, it was uh, fuck. Oh, Collective Soul was playing. Yeah. We were standing there on the side of the stage and I don't know if he told a guitar tech to wipe something up or something was left there, but I remember he tripped and fell and landed right on his side and like his arm. I don't know if he broke his hand, but like dude got up like a champ and that, I mean, I'll, I'll always remember that he it was like a fucking football player. He was like, Nope, I'm good. He like tucked his arm into his belt. And like went on with the show and delivered like a badass finale to the song, walked off stage and was in like excruciating pain. I know because I think uh, I had brought you backstage and then on side stage because there wasn't there a little watching area like a little yeah 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 you guys left you ended up show you had to go to another show I (laughs) yeah I remember remember you like he just fell. (laughs) that's right well i remember sitting there and um i think it was three doors down was finishing and uh maybe shinedown was about ready to go on and i'm sitting there smoking a joint passing a joint back and forth with this guy and then i'm like oh my god it's andrew stockdale from wolf mother and like sat there i mean i dude moments like that i i owe you a ton as somebody who loves fucking music to be able to go back and, and experience it i wish everybody had that opportunity oh, shit man i uh it's always a pleasure when i have the ability to put someone on the awesome guest list and bring them backstage and show them show them an awesome night because you know i've i've had several moments where I've gotten to do that. And it's hard, you know, once you're, you're in it and you're just going and going for years, it's like, how do you not take it for granted? You're doing it every night. I'm just like, all right, hit me up. Yeah. I'll get you on the guest list. Like I want to, I want to bring you on the state. I want to do those things. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, I come from a small ass town. I've, I, I grew up with nothing. So if I have an opportunity to, to have a great night and make somebody's night by doing that, I'm going to always do it. Not, it's it's that's just in me i'm not going to be able to stop <laughs> so i'm hoping that we get uh, some really awesome moments coming up this year and uh hopefully we come down 
you know, to the Berg and whatever, I can, I can bring you out again. That would make me really happy. No, for sure, dude. We would, we'll have a blast. Um, I know there's some things you can't talk about, but do you guys have anything outside of just summer festivals that you're working on currently? Uh, yeah, we're trying to get on some tours right now with some really cool bands and, um, we are releasing an EP, I guess, slash album on, uh, March 11th. Uh, we got some, uh, pre-sales available for vinyls right now and uh with with the release of people are strange we've dropped this merch line so we got a few shirts for sale and some some other things but uh we're really pushing that vinyl i mean it's kind of a little novelty item and uh we're not getting any cds cds done i mean there's really no point anymore Mm -hmm. unfortunately like it makes me sad to even say that but it's almost a thing of the past Dude, I remember like busting open that CD and the first thing, like obviously you put the music in, but then it was like, let's look at the fucking album yeah. art. Like what's yeah. inside of this booklet that's so important. That was the coolest part, you know, yeah. and just it's it's done away with now and it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's Everyone's kind of going back to the vinyl or streaming. So so we're taking the money that, you know, we would put into making a CD and, and just trying to make this vinyl and the artwork and the little booklet in there cooler and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of make it as original and as unique as we can with what we have. And uh, we're really happy about it. We're excited. So if, if anyone's listening out there, please ch- check out the vinyl, even if you can't pick it up, like just check out the artwork or whatever. And when the, when the album drops, go listen to it, stream it. Not that anybody needed to know this, but I read a really interesting article and it said that rock music is making a surge. You probably know this more than I do, so I don't know what the numbers specifically say, but it was really cool about how just from a like a revenue and just overall numbers perspective, things are shifting back to like a rock platform as opposed to where it was. So be cool to see. Yeah. I mean that, of course makes me excited i mean when was when was rock the the top genre wasn't you know early 90s yeah i was gonna say late 80s early 90s -hmm. and then everything shifted but hey if we could if we could come back into that even even whether it's you know i know there's a big you know emo punk rock movement right now and that's i feel like that's bringing it back a little bit which is pretty exciting i mean because i appreciate all that stuff too so it's it's only going to help really yeah and it almost seems like it boomerangs and comes back and it's like it goes through these stages and then it goes back through those same stages to get back to the original point yeah well when things have been overdone so much it's like what's original anymore and it's like we need to shift gears to find find something that's feels a little more relevant and has substance you know yeah no well listen dude you guys are a part of it bands like you know Greta Van Fleet they're a part of it oh yeah so, and they're young so they're you know you guys played with them right yeah yeah, yeah we played right. they guys. opened for you up in Michigan I think uh-huh yeah they were super nice they they crushed they did a great job and then that band just took right off man good for yeah. them I'm happy for those boys Yeah, they got a badass sound they're young I mean that shit doesn't happen anymore you know no 
they look like they were plucked right out of fucking Woodstock too, which that's is so awesome. cool. That's like boy band shit. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. it almost makes you wonder. Like, I I think I did already look into it, but I was like, they almost seem so perfectly authentic that it had to have been like cast that way. Well, it's three brothers, and then the drummer is, I think, a buddy. But good for them. I know the singer and the guitar player are twins, and then the bass player thinks their older brother. But I mean, they're and all that super could, nice. Just, you talk about dynamics, though. Shit, man. I, oh yeah, brothers. I I'm not in a band with my brothers, and we fist fight more. It's like <laughs> uh, I'm sure. Yeah, they. I'm sure they have their heydays. And yeah, tell each other they suck all the time. <laughs> with their flowers most definitely well shit dude i appreciate that i mean like i said this was so long overdue to your point Absolutely. we needed to just have a conversation and catch up and i um uh, i know it's been busy you've had so much going on and peeling some time away yeah it's, it sounds uh, good no, yeah, dude. I do it more often i uh i like shooting the shit regardless even if we're talking about music or we can talk about something else next time you know, you can talk about kids, whatever you want to talk about. Calm well, down. You know, I should say kid. <laughs> They're a trip, man. Oh yeah. It's uh it's it's a it's a crazy it's a crazy time to be alive and tell you what, it didn't it didn't feel like this, you know, in my mid twenties. Now I'm getting in my my thirties here and I'm just like, wow. You know, you look back like would you do anything different? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like everything happens for a reason. So yeah. for me, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now, despite all the, you know, the tragedies and bullshit we've had to deal with, you know, the last few years. And yeah, I'm, a, I'm like a actually really happy person right now. So that feels good. And I hope that uh, I hope you are too. No, I appreciate that, dude. It's, it is, I, I can relate tremendously, you know, it's, there is so much shit. I think back to some of the, like the stories individually, if you tell them to people, you're like, why would you ever want to go through that again? But to your point, when you think about it, I am, I'm the same way. I'm like, if I didn't do that, then the whole bar ball of yarn kind of unravels and it never happened. So exactly. you take the good with the bad and there's certainly way more good to be thankful for. So I uh, eh, wouldn't change a thing, man. I, I believe that everything does happen for a reason. So that's just where I'm at. Some mm. people don't, but I do. I'm with you. Yep. Well, dude, I'm, I am looking forward to all the good shit coming. And no, uh, let's I'm do excited. this again in the future. Let's, uh, let's do that. But certainly let me know when you're going to be down here. And I will be making a trip north. Um, probably a couple trips north here over the next month or two. So I'll certainly let you know if you're in town, we'll have to get together. I'd love to uh, get a little uh, old fashioned in or something. I'm down. What's your drink of choice right now? Got, uh, you know, I was like, this is an important episode. So I busted out the single barrel select. Nice. Yeah. Had to have a little Jack. Moscow mule, dude. Ooh, I'm a sucker for those. I was gonna say, I hope there's something special inside of that fancy oh, yeah. cup of yours. Moscow mule, man, you gotta you gotta drink it on the copper, huh? <laughs> Hell yeah! 
And you're over yeah, in Ellicott. With it. That was perfect. <laughs> Cheers, dude. So you're in Ellicottville this weekend with Jake D? Yep, yep. We're going to be over there at uh, Gin Mill, and uh, he's coming in for like four or five days, so we're just going to hang out. We might go snowboarding one day. And uh, he lives down in Austin, as you know, so mm-hmm. he doesn't make it up here a bunch. And I always like to uh, give him a little shout-out. He was on The Voice, and uh, he was kicking ass, so he's still kicking ass, and I'm excited to play with him. Dude, I went down to Austin for a bachelor party. Kind of a random story, but – I got into a little bit of a confrontation with a couple of the guys that were at the bachelor party. And uh, so myself and another gentleman decided that we were just going to peel off from the group so that we didn't have any more conflict. And we went and found Jake D performing on a rooftop in Austin. And I can tell you that myself and my buddy had by far the best night out of all of us that were out there. I mean, Dude, he's got quite the little following of people that like come out to those shows. I mean, they're diehard fans, and in a city where there's tons of fucking music. Yeah, he's made a he's building a, a great great name for himself there, and he's got a lot of support. And I'm I'm proud of him, you know, because he'd always come to me for some questions here and there. And I remember when he was, you know, thinking about moving down there. I'm like, bro, just do it. And then you know, here's a couple of things you can do. Cause I was doing the same thing down in Charlotte, North Carolina and yeah, he made it work for himself. So he's been through it. He came on here and was telling me stories about when he was on the cruise ship. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck man. Like he, like, that sounds like torture. He's uh, like, yeah, he goes, it was, it was really, really bad. He's like, but yeah. well, you, you have to go through those discouraging, brutal moments just to uh, kind of humble yourself and, and, you know, Mm-hmm. No matter how much confidence you have, you need to kind of be uh, slapped around a little bit. And, it's good for the soul. Yeah, you really, you really need that shit to happen. Well, Dave, cheers. All right, and, cheers, uh, buddy. I'll talk appreciate to you it. Soon. All right. All right, brother. Enjoy All your right, night. Have a good night, buddy. You too. You too.